creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Business Show brought to you by Discovery Business Insurance. Dion Chang is one of the world's best known futurists. In this podcast, Dion casts a lens on the technological revolution, AI, VR, AR, big data, and robotics, and some of the insights that he and his team are most compelled and frightened by. Dion Chang, it's so good to see you again and so good to have you on the Discovery Healthy Business Show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I just wanted to bring you in to, to talk about the future and some of the uh, the trends. But before we get there, I want to talk about you, actually, and talk about what is this thing that you call a futurist? And actually, how did you get into it? What was the, the initial story for you getting into to crystal balls? Okay. So I started this company, my company Flux Trends, uh, 12 years ago. It's actually 13 now. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. And for people who are of a certain age will know the, <laughs> the history. Who, I used to be in media. I used to be in magazines. <laughs> it's kind of in that, in that fashion mold and everything. Um, and essentially, Flux was my midlife crisis. Oh. Um, I kind of hit... 40s and I was just saying okay so now what I want to do and the whole media thing I mean I had had a career in magazines for like 20 years but I what I noticed that during that career was everything that I was doing was at a startup phase so I was part of the launch team that brought Elle magazine into the country oh, yeah. um, when I was the fashion editor there I edited something called Elle Man which was kind of was before Men's Health GQ any of those came into the country after that I went and helped Lucilla Boyson at Typhoon Fashion Week to okay. just kickstart that. She had just started getting it and was gaining traction. So I was when the, was that roundabout? Sure, roundabout 2000 and... Oh. It was a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. In the <laughs> two, was, early 2000s. It was, it was yeah. when people were still reading magazines. <laughs> yes, and, yes, uh, yeah. Like 2001, somewhere around, around there. Okay. And, and I was the spokesperson, media spokesperson, as well as the national program director. Um, gotcha. So I have... Huge respect for spokespeople who, especially government, yeah, <laughs> who, yeah. have to, who have to face the <laughs> have to face the press. But it taught me a lot of stuff about kind of the communication channels that bind consumers and brands, that kind of world. And I actually started Flux 13 years ago. It was already I started as a information distillation service. Nice. Um, and I just thought even then there was just way too much information and nobody was coping. Yeah. So it was kind of just a, a way to to join the dots and to sift things through and put them into digestible pieces of information. Was there a trigger for it? I mean, was because it, it seems like all of these things are born out of fear, right? To, was there an incident or somebody no, I, gave I, you the I, idea? What I, what I discovered was I'd been doing it for a couple of years. I was literally, I mean, this is real old school, I was literally clipping newspaper articles <laughs> that, are, that were of interest to me. And wow. at the end of the year, I had this huge pile of stuff and I would start shuffling them into little pillars. So there was one on technology, kind of one on social, some on religion, culture, all of those kind of things. And I'd started doing that and that's actually become the methodology that's of what we use today. You um, are such a data so nerd. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> You, so, you're, like yes. the, you're like the rain man of, uh, of so, future signals. Yeah, so we, we've kind of refined it. So we use our own acronym, which is TRENDS, so T-R-E-N-D-S. Sure. And so that's, you know, technology, retail, state of the economy, the natural world, diplomacy, social and cultural trends. So you kind of get a, an overall snapshot of where you're going. And that's basically what, at the start of every year. So that, that was your yeah. product that you yes. came up with and you started delivering. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was... 
And were uh, you off to the races from day one? Or no, was it, it, was, it was something that I wanted to do, but I didn't have a business plan for it. So okay. it was just a gut feel. And I always jokingly say to people, I started a trends company before trends became trendy. Because yeah. 12 years ago, that yeah, yeah. word wasn't around the place, you know. And then luckily for me, sort of five years into... Well, that's kind of a good indictment, actually, on your ability. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you saw, and you, then, you're a trans analyst and seeing And we started the specializing in disruption before the disruption wave hit. Okay. So, so yes, I, nice. I, you kind of have a gut feel for these things. And that's when I just switched the, the whole mantra to trends as business strategy. Okay. So I, I didn't want to compete as a consumer insights company. And we kind of went into much more strategic thinking. And so that's why our... Client base is 100% corporate today. Okay. And Dion, what does your job entail? I mean, I'm, and and where do you work from? I'm sort of kind of seeing this lair with, you know, 15 <laughs> screens surrounding you and maybe like a big crystal ball in the middle and a no, cat, when, when a cat people, somewhere around, you know? <laughs> always cats. But yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, say, oh, we want to come and see, you know, how you guys work. I mean, it's actually going to be really boring for you because it's a very zen office. Okay. I'm based at 44 Stanley, but it's a part virtual office. So there's a very large open space. Two of the researchers are there every day. One has just gone to Bahrain because her husband's got a, a year-long contract. So we, we've got a, a remote worker so in Bahrain. So she's only working remotely. Um, and the rest of the team, which is, you know, we're just eight or 10 people. We only meet on a Monday morning and the rest of the time, everyone works virtually. And in so terms of work. communication, what just, sorry, a little bit of a segue, yeah. but what do you use? What tools do you use? We don't use anything. We don't Slack, really use yeah. Slack or anything like that. We've just, it's just a kind of very direct way of doing things and we'll still rely on email and then if you need to just pick up the phone and actually speak to a person. Yeah. Old school in that kind of thing because it's yeah. just it's quicker to sure. actually speak to people. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So That's so cool. Okay. And what does your job entail? I mean, what do you, what do you, Dion, do then? Okay. So what's been for over the past couple of years is to kind of just share the load. So because for many years it was just Dion's company, but now we've got Bronwyn Williams, my partner. Yeah, she's great. Into yeah, that. Yeah, we know uh, we've got uh, Kumo Teko who's doing stuff on identity and cultural. That's her kind of beat. So it's always researching. You, you read a lot all of the time. Mm. And because I do a lot of keynotes and stuff, I'm always traveling as well. So sure. that's why you have to be mobile. Yeah. You have to understand that kind of lifestyle yeah. and just how you manage work and how projects have to come together and, and all of that. It occurred to me while you were talking about the fact that you are, I mean, your job is literally to keep your finger in the pulse of what's going on around the world and try and, I love the term connect the dots that you mentioned, because you're essentially putting all these puzzle yes. pieces together and attempting, because we all know it's impossible to yeah. really predict the future, right? But you're attempting to at least paint a picture and to, to create some kind of a view on where we may be going, right? Yes. So as a result of that, you're just subjected to these this multitude of signals, which can be, for most of us anyway, quite overwhelming. How do you balance that? I mean, what do you do in your life just to kind of yeah. keep saying? Gosh, that's a difficult but important question. So the joining of the dots is 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 really, really important. So when people say, you know, yeah, you guys are futurists, say, well, we have a thing in the office saying futurists speculate about the future. We are more trend analysts, so we will take what is out there, what is happening, even okay. if it's a weak signal, then join those dots. And I think the art of what we do is being able to say something as random that's happening in a social cultural sense links up to business and how this does, you know, you start looking at all of these different elements that come together and then put it together in, in a way that people say, 
I didn't expect that or I didn't know that those two were linked. So to answer your question is it's very hard to switch off because you have to read everything. So my reading goes from the Financial Times Weekender to tracking what the Kardashians are doing, you know, <laughs> and people are going, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, Kendall Jenner's just, you know, been rated Forbes. Her, her makeup company has been sold to Coty. Yeah. Coty's trying to up this. There's something. There's patterns yeah. there. There's that, something that you need to That you need to know. Identify. And if we discard things or discount things because it's not, you know, of your ilk, then you're doing yourself a disservice. You've, sure. got, to, you've got to kind of wade into the mud and look at all of the kind of stuff because you pan for those little gold nuggets and then those gold nuggets join together and you smelt them down and then, you know, you get a beautiful crown. So, it's, do, you, do you have a structure? I mean, do you have a like a weekly discipline or a daily discipline in terms of your information digestion? I mean, how do you I do, structure it? It's your more day? of a weekly one. There's a lot of stuff. I don't really get much weekends. So, a one day weekend is something to cherish because okay. there's a lot of some of the train fees. Is that, that because are of travel? Or you mean? Tra- yeah, and, 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 and kind of reading. And so the reading it becomes okay. kind of quite almost like homework because, you know, you get one time magazine a week, then you've got the Financial Times weekend, and then it's all the Sunday papers, and there's a whole lot of trend stuff that comes in on a Friday and everything like that. So Saturday is actually a lot of plowing through the stuff and and, and reading and then remembering what to to kind of put there. So the one deck I do use is is an Evernote. And um, that looks... I'm a huge fan of Evernote. I love it. it. It's... People saw my trend deck for <laughs> It's really scary because there's a lot it's, of stuff happening it's like, there. Yeah, it's like a, this, a bird's nest. Yes, yeah. But but that's that's kind of how I keep keep track of things. And then we rely. I've I've got this thing on on our Monday meetings. Um, everybody has to. We end the meeting with, "What did you learn this week?" Okay, um, and and I Amazing. think that's that's a really important thing. Not only to remind ourselves of what we picked up. Um, but also to share that information. I think it's really important to share mm. the information with, with everybody. And and that generally extends the meeting by another 20 minutes or so because it actually sparks debate, which is good. So, yeah. so people come in with very random things. It could be just a personal learning. It could be something I've read. could be something you know I feel about, but everybody puts something on the table and yeah. and that 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 sparks the the conversation which is good i mean Dion, it, it from the outside looking in it looks like you have the funnest job in the world <laughs> i mean you literally you know you, you're reading about all this cool stuff you're mm. always ingesting mm. all this you know these these future based trends you're getting a glimpse into what's around the corner and then you're going to speak to people about it around the world yeah. going to some of the the most dynamic hotspots on the planet and um, you know, and and obviously, this is. It feels almost like your work. There's no work-life balance. It's just you know this ongoing stream of. We oh no! Believe stuff. me, yes. There's there's a there, there's a bit of engineering there that you that you need to do because okay. you um it, it it is relentless. So it's you you know like I said the the because almost everything's a trend. So that's the that's the double-edged sword of it. So I can travel to almost everywhere in the world because yeah. something will be relevant to something that I do or a trend that we are picking up. So so I can really kind of pick and choose of, of where you're going. But in order to make sure that you make that time, so in a lot of the... Um, so, so what's happened over the past couple of years is, is quite a strange evolution. So um, I've moved into dealing with executives and senior management and, yeah. and looking at strategy there sure. and organizational structure. Sure. So so it's it's sort of it's come out of trends and disruption, but it's gone into quite a different 
role of that. Um, so I, I, well, I it's almost like leadership yeah. training in a yes, way, right? Because yes, yeah. it's kind of be- becoming future fit and, uh, and, and understanding that, yes. what actions you need to take. Exactly, so that, yeah. that executive level kind of makes sense, yes. right? So, but you, you, you really need to, it's a lot of fun, but then you've got to make sure that you can present things to people that generally are stuck in an old world order. I speak a lot about old world order, new world order kind of systems and corporate structures, all of that thing. So if you look at just kind of because innovation, I've been on this quest for for looking at the juice of innovation, how to scale innovation in large companies. That was my last year's December learnings in Silicon Valley. But you look at what really pushes innovation in companies and it's not, and what I've learned over the past couple of years, it's not the shortage of ideas. There are amazing ideas. Everybody's got a lot of ideas. And when I say to people, they get a bit shocked when I say this. I say, you know, you if you have a, a an innovation hub, if you're a large corporation, that's actually counterproductive. And they really look at me strangely because wow. they're saying, you know, but, you know, we pay yeah, a lot I mean, of that's people. a bombshell, right? And, yeah, yeah, sure. And I'm saying, but if you speak to those guys in the innovation hubs, there's a very fast churn of of people that that don't stay there and that's for a reason and also because the rest of the company specifically the senior management say you come up with a silver bullet that's going to transform the fortunes of this company we'll fold our arms and we'll sit back and we'll wait for you guys to do this <laughs> there's a very strong disengagement with that yeah. and i spoke to a lot of guys in in innovation hubs and they just said you know we've got we've got a stack of 17 projects so we're yeah. trying to push through yeah. and and, and so what I've understood, it, it's not an enabling environment that you give the innovation room to grow, room to yeah. breathe, room to scale. And I, I, t- I mean, I chatted to a team recently in an innovation hub at one of the uh, the big kind of financial houses, which shall be, re- we will keep them nameless for now. But they were saying, you know, we literally get paid just to come up with a bunch of cool ideas that never, ever see yeah, the light of that's, day. You know, and and that's, it was just such a sad reality. So you mentioned, you know, there's this churn for a reason. Why, why, do, why is that churn? So, is it for, so for that? going back to old world order, new world order. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, uh, you know, to put it in, in, in future terms, I'm saying if we are literally about to get into a driverless car, mm-hmm. which we are, and it's not going to be on main roads, it's going to be in sort of controlled environments and there's mm. lots of case studies around them. If we are really about to get into that kind of technology, in business terms, why do we still use an old stick shift manual to try and operate that car that we're driving? Yeah. And that's the corporate structure. So you're seeing it's like trying to squeeze toothpaste back into a tube. You, you're getting this bright idea. You're getting this amazing new energy and then you pushing it into... Yeah. We have these regulatory structures that we old, need to conform to. But it's also just... In, in really simple terms, it's it's hierarchies, it's silos, mm. it's just the way of um, and don't and get ego, me, and right? don't get me yeah, started yeah. on on the forty hour work week that starts at nine and ends at five, which is <laughs> why is it still relevant in the twenty first century, yeah. you know, and and, yeah, yeah. and all of that. So there's there's a whole lot of all of those elements, which is why, you know, I don't want to parade an old chestnut, but you know, agility, all of those kind of things is like it's not going to happen if you don't restructure things. And if mm. we, we've done a lot of studies on the future of work, kind of future jobs, all of those things, and you know, we don't like scaremongering saying, you know, AI is going to take all of your jobs away. It's There's just new things that develop all the time. And even now, there's stuff that are, I challenge companies and I say, you know, do you have um, in senior leadership a, a head of machine learning or, mm. or that, you know, and they look at me and they're going, 
no. And they're saying, well, maybe you should because those are the new job titles that are starting to, to come through. And then on a completely esot- almost esoteric level, then sure. I say to C-suite people that I, I chat to is maybe you should change your, you know, the title of CEO to um, CLO, Chief Learning Officer. Because oh, amazing. That's kind I love of what that. you need to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not, you're not, it's, it's as learning as a lifestyle. You're not really trained. a domain. You've yeah, got yeah. to kind of say, okay, this is new stuff. Yeah. How does it apply to my company, what mm. I do, my job? How does that, how can it improve things? And then I splice things down for people. So into different types of innovation, because everyone mm. looks at innovation as a, a technological thing and you're going, okay, it's, a, it's an app or it's, a, it's whatever. But then I say, you know, do you want to do sustaining innovation, efficiency innovation, market growing innovation? You know, then people look at you a bit strange and going, but isn't innovation just innovation? And going, no, no, no. There's, it depends on what you want to do with it. There's, there's incremental stuff. There's yeah. just kind macro, of keeping micro, yeah, and, so and on, all yeah, of those yeah. kind of things. And that determines how you structure it, what you want to do, put it into that. And then because we join the dots, we pull in a whole lot of other stuff that people don't normally see within that equation. So for example, within innovation is diversity and inclusivity. Mm. So you're thinking, but that's an HR thing. I'm going, actually, no, because I went to a, an amazing diversity and inclusivity conference in New York in June. And in those kind of companies, it's no longer an HR-ish issue. They've got separate divisions that just deal with that. And in South Africa, justifiably, we are still fixated on gender and race in terms of diversity. Sure. But when you start really going into the identity politics that are starting to hit, that's hit kind of retail brands, but it's going to come into corporate business. And I think people underestimate identity politics, you know, the Me Too movement, really? Black Lives Matter, all of those I, kind I've of things. Because I've heard a lot of people saying, no. oh, it's a storm in a teacup, it's going to blow no. over. No, so no, this no, is no, a no. It's proper a, it's a It's a really, really big one. That's yet to It's changing, you know, a whole lot of things. I mean, you just look at sort of recent news, you know, Prince Andrew and all those, like, oh, it was that era. Well, we are moving out of another era, and within the next five years or so, we're going to look back and say, I can't believe we actually still said those things, did those things, you know? <laughs> yeah, for and sure. And I don't think people, yeah, that that one and sustainability, I just don't think people have equated identity politics or sustainability as part of a core business policy or, yeah. or, or how it affects your It's not your a focus. Business. It's certainly not yeah. a focus for, for uh, the leadership. You know, it's a fringe. It's, it's something yeah. that happens on the fringe. Sure. But, but that's what we have. We have... I think in terms of looking at the future, we have already a glimpse of hindsight before everybody does have that right. hindsight. And in South Africa, and it feels almost like that's, you know, that's, that's the stuff that's going on in Canada and yes. Scandinavia. Yeah. It's, not, it's not for us. No, you know, we're in Africa. We've got bigger problems to, to exactly. face. Yeah. But, but those, those exact problems, um, specifically identity politics in South Africa, are, you know, once we've kind of scraped just away from race and gender, all of those other things are, are just bubbling under the surface. And, and, and like I said, you know, people, I think, underestimate what it does to workforce dynamics, management skills, communication. Sure. There's just so many little nuances. So we always talk when people say, oh, you know, we, we talk, let's talk about you know, kind of disruptive things. I say, well, can I also talk about non-tech disruptors? Because mm. I think people only see disruption as you know, the Uber moment and, and what, what you're going to do with that. But I'm saying there's there's so many undercurrents 
that we don't see, which are not tech related, mm. but it is societal. It is, you know, that's why we've got this really strong socio-cultural um, pillar that, that of, of those six pillars that we look at because it's, it's so, so, so important. And I mean, we, what you're talking about is so, it's such a fascinating insight because, you know, we're so besotted with like AR, VR, AI, deep learning and all that kind of stuff that it's kind of, I mean, what you're essentially saying is that we're, we're stress testing the, the social structures of society, yeah. you know, and it's, I mean, these are huge things. So I, I think just to, um, to touch upon uh, something that occurred to me is, is, are we, I mean, you, you look at the trends going on all over mm. the world and there's a lot of technology trends, but what you're reminding me is that we're, you know, we're coming at it from a human perspective. Dion, are we evolving? Do you believe we're evolving as humans? I mean, there's a lot of thought around that and, you know, Yuval Harari talks yes. about it in Homo Deus and all that. Do you, do you see that? Are we moving to a new species? I think we're, I think we're evolving. We're evolving really fast, but I don't think we understand or can kind of control where we're evolving to. So just for example, we've been tracking your Gen Zs uh, for four, the past four years already. Yes, yeah. And they're only now coming onto everybody's radar, retailers and all of those things. We started looking at them before they started coming of age, and we already kind of got an eye on Generation Alpha, which are the kids of the millennials, <laughs> you know. You heard it here first, folks. That's the first we, time I've and, heard and of And people that. are saying, you know, is that one, now commonly yes, used? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, sorry. That's well, the then next, I'm probably, that's the next one, yeah. I, I'm probably exposing but then, myself here, you know, but we, I, we, I've known We put it into it, and he was saying, you know, and people say to us, especially when we introduce it to retailers, saying, you know, but what's the point? They're toddlers. You know, there's, there's so, so, but there's two things. Sure. So, the, so A is their parents are the millennials. So there's a very different dynamic and spending pattern that links those alphas to that. You look at your social pop culture again social media mm. kind of things the number of little toddler influences that are already out there where the parents are are creating this brand yes. for these little toddlers yeah. you know there's a th and then my favorite for case study for 2019 is the two sisters one 7 year old and one 9 year old who who wrote a letter to McDonald's to say we like your happy meals but you're giving us a plastic toy and that's bad for the planet you know, seven and nine, that's, oh, it's there. And, that's and, very and, conscious. And it's, yeah, it's very, yeah. very conscious. And you speak to, to people who have those kids and they're going, they, they understand that already, you know. And, and long story short, they basically, um, McDonald's ignored them. So they started, I said, don't mess with digital natives. They started a petition on change.org, seven and nine years old. Oh. They got 330,000 signatures. It got the attention of a d d documentary maker who did a documentary on the war on plastics who named and shamed McDonald's for their Happy Meals. That's amazing. So they've now changed their policy. This is a UK uh, McDonald's, but they said they're going to do a reduction of 60% plastic. The Happy Meals will come with uh, board games, paper toys, all of those kind of stuff, you know, things like that. So I say to people, a seven and nine-year-old managed to change the policy mm -hmm. of a multinational fast food brand. You know, stranger things have happened, but don't est underestimate these kind of undercurrents that you might think are, are It's so fascinating, mm -hmm. Dion. I mean, we're talking about identity and the power of identity mm -hmm. moving from a cubicle nation, you know, where we, it's this cubicle-based society where everyone is just sucking a box, yeah. to actually... 
you know, being empowered and uh, and being able to impact change on a you know on a on a macro level. I mean, that's incredible. You know, it is. Uh, so, I, I think I, I mean then just quickly moving to the the actual trends and and the stuff that's out there. What what are you? I mean, I suppose it's a two part question. But what are you excited about and what are you scared of? All right, let me. Let me start with an overview so the listeners yes. kind of get this overview for, for 2020 because just we just put this thing together. So the theme, we, we run up the first trend briefing that we, we do of the year um, is the state we're in. And, and the 2020 title is The Politics of Rage and Polarization and the Quest for Middle Ground. Mm. And if you… That's you very, know, so, so, so very when people, relevant. The, the beginning of, of 2019… I was starting to track a, a concept of bombardment stress. And I think at the end of 2019, we've kind of understood we're at, we've been at the receiving end of bombardment stress. And, and so the reason why I'm going to start off with an overview is if you look at what's happening in the world is we kind of sometimes tend to see, oh, you know, there's this corruption and mismanagement that's happening in South Africa. There's this, there's just like, you know, political uh, mudslinging, all of that. But if you look around the world, this is the state of where we, we really are. So politically, environmentally, economically, socially, there's just rage and polarization. Mm. And, and It always seems it's like a, it's two parties, right? Yeah. And, and, and it so, is, so one of the, the, the really interesting things that I've just picked up is, is that um, they're calling it a, a democratic deadlock. And you're seeing that even in very, very democratic, uh, inverted commas, um, countries that are specifically two-party states uh, mm. are just reaching an impasse. They can't, you can't form governments. It takes six months to try and form a government. So, and then the inequality kind of spreads. And so, so generally we must not feel- And it feel, feels so extreme, yeah, right? So we must not feel alone. <laughs> but on the other hand- mm. The, you mean from a South African from a South perspective. Yes, yeah. but, but it is a, a very, very big global one. So that, that, that that's kind of, is scary of, of just what's what's happening. So to answer your question from there is what excites and what is starting to, to be. The kind of policing, uh, the facial recognition, uh, nudge theories, all of those kind of things are starting to, to get, to spook people out a bit because mm. I think one of the things that... Nudge theory? So it's with... You know, when you behave behavioral ways of doing things. So in, in, in China, that's a it's a big one, your social credit score of, of you know, if you pay your, your fines, if you pay, you do different things uh, and we reward you for, for that kind of behavior. Okay. But nobody has really explored the downside of things, which is starting to be exposed or it's coming out in China and, and we're kind of looking at a glimpse of the future there. So there it is, so you, you've, sent a bad tweet out against the government, you've not paid your fines or whatever. Um, and there's a clip that I play in some of the keynotes where um, it's a journalist who he apologized for a tweet that was anti-government, but they said it wasn't sincere. Um, he couldn't book flights. He couldn't get his son enrolled in university. Mm. It was kind of just blocked, 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 blocked. So there's a very strange storm brewing between so it always used to be a relationship between us and a tech company. Yeah. Us with a Google or a Facebook or whatever. Sure. Now you're starting to see a government element into that. So how that's happened, um, and again I use use China as it because that's the, the biggest uh, case study there, is you know, Alibaba will get preferential uh, treatment or, or 
things with 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 governments, but then with that, um, the HEMA, uh, that's the app, the Social Credit Score app, is part of the Alipay kind of super app. And then we jump to the West and you look at kind of what Facebook's doing, um, you know, merging Messenger, Instagram, mm. and WhatsApp, and then putting a cryptocurrency into that. That's that's the first kind of Western super app that we we kind mm. of going to so get. Like so it's like behavioral conditioning in, it in is, a sense, yeah. right? Okay. So so and and that's where we kind of stuck in a between a rock and a hard place at the moment because we have seeded our data, and for a bit of, I say flippantly, for a coffee and some free Wi-Fi, yeah. this is kind of. You kissed your privacy a long time, you know, way. Yeah. But so on the one hand, we're getting this conversation about in retail, the algorithms will get you a better user experience. We will customize the ads that you see. We, you will be able to funnel into ring fenced into something that is that you're not going to be bothered by other stuff. But then it's just how much information do you have on me? And I'm starting to feel uncomfortable about it. So the things that we're discussing or or, or coming across our, our, our desks at the moment are um, quite out there things. The, there's a uh, one of the governors in, or leaders in California was saying we need to classify data as labor. So all of the content, all of my cat pictures and my food pictures and travel pictures on Instagram, I've created that content. That's labor. So I should be paid for that. You know. So there's a whole thing about, and then from wow. the from the tech companies, it's but raw data is just data. We've created information out of that. So we've actually made something out of it. So no, we're the ones that have actually put the labor into it and to, to create something So there. we're really on a new frontier. Yeah. Where I suppose the rules are just being, they're still being figured yeah, out, but right? The, the privacy one is is a really, really and, and we saw those things. That's why I'm watching Hong Kong, China, very carefully because sure. even there when they were told not to wear masks was part of facial recognition so people put those uh, surgical masks I on I didn't know that okay. and wow. they were using those little laser torch things um, showing it at helicopters and stuff like that to stop the facial recognition technology recording all of those those faces in the um, uh, within the protesters That's there. scary stuff. So yeah. you know you're seeing those little those glimpses, little glimpses and clues, yeah, coming through. You know um, uh, the irony. I mean, if you take Facebook for example, I mean the reality is, you, you know, Facebook obviously has had issues with privacy yes. and so on and so forth. But but the fact that they're using cryptocurrency and baking that into the offering where crypto and but you know the, the yeah. whole blockchain was supposed to you know uncouple it's, it's, yes, it's, exactly. in, it's yeah. uncoupling your data from yeah. you know from the uh, regulatory uh, frameworks so so that bundle because there's quite a lot of stuff there is is what I'm scared of I'm mm. not too comfortable with it but there's uh, it started maybe 18 months ago it's like a, a big brother kind of thing yeah right? but there's a there's a backlash there's a, there's, a, there's a a fight for for privacy and and what we're doing and and just just yesterday i picked up something that's in brooklyn in new york just one big kind of apartment block they put in uh, facial recognition technology there was some identity politics as an undercurrent because they wanted to get <laughs> it's a get more so upmarket complex. Uh, more upmarket tenant to come in so they thought if they put all of these things in and when they actually did the whole thing they said but you've got all these cameras all of those things it didn't actually give more security 
Okay, so they said, so then why are you putting this? And they actually fought back and all of the the, the residents there um, had it removed because wow. they fought it and they said, this is not on. And you're starting to see cities, San Francisco is one of them, that have banned facial recognition. So so there's a fight. There's a fight for mm. our our privacy. There's a fight for data, all of, all of the data that we, that we, that we create. Um, and that's the thing. What excites me is solution-based innovation. Oh, okay. I mean, I think, so, yeah. I mean, I was going to, that was my next question. I mean, there's some very practical problems that we're facing, like traffic, for example, yeah. or, you know, energy. I mean, are there things around the corner or things in, in production yeah, so, now? That's, you know, if I may, so I've, I've, I've just formulated and, and my big project for 2020 is I'm launching innovation tours in South Africa. So I've, the first um, one I did was three amazing. years ago. Uh, did 50 top performing companies in New York. Uh, was amazing. T- took a whole week to, to kind of do that. Um, and then I did this scaling innovation masterclass last year. But what I've always found, as fun as you said, it is to go and look at all of this stuff, there's a disconnect to what we do in Africa and on yes. the African continent. Yes. And what excites me far more is to see how you create solution-based innovation with almost none of the infrastructure or the funding that you get mm. in Silicon Valley or, or around the world. So so we're addressing real-world problems, potable water, energy, these kinds of things, and there's a different way of doing, th- doing yeah. things here. And that's that's what really, really... So are we seeing any homegrown uh, solutions, stuff that yes, really, yeah, that's amazing. coming out of Africa that's exciting? Amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. And this, you know, I'll, I'll just give you one example. One of the, the, the innovators that we were introducing to to, to the people that come on, onto the tour um, is a guy, uh, and I'm, I give him little cards and people go into chambers and they, they discover these people, um, and his card is Grit and Determination um, because he started this project in 2013. He's been going for six years to get this off the ground, but it started off with a real need. His grandmom came up from the Eastern Cape um, and came up to the big smoke in Joburg and she was deaf and they all had to leave her because everybody went to work and went to school and everything like that. And this guy said, but we're leaving a deaf grandmother who doesn't know Joburg like at the mercy of Joburg, you know? <laughs> and he's like, we've got to do something different to yeah. this. So he started um, creating this with this wearable tech, um, and it, it's gone through because it's 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 taken so long. It's gone through a whole lot of iterations. One of the stories, which is heartbreaking, but I love it because it illustrates what I'm trying to do or, or spread the message. He said he spoke to a lot of people in the in the in the deaf community, and he spoke to her mom, who was deaf and would have to go and check on her child because she couldn't hear all the time. And she said every now and again she would see the baby with dry tears on his or her face. Uh, and so this baby was crying. She didn't, she couldn't hear. Uh, wow. So what he's really, he's just about to, to launch this now. So we, we catch them at the, at the crest of that wave. At the edge, yeah. And um, so it's a wearable tech and it's got four little components, which um, if you're that deaf, deaf person or if you're a hearing person, you can put it on your car in the garage. So on the street. So, you know, if somebody's tampering with your car, it, signals you at the front door, in the baby crib, in the kitchen, whatever. So you have those touch points where if there's a sound or something happens, you'll be alerted 
on that wearable tech and it's in different colors and you'll know exactly where to go and all of those things. So that's that's amazing. That's yeah. the sort of stuff that we're just uncovering so many more stories in South Africa and specifically on the African continent mm. where that solution-based innovation. Oh, that's is, incredible. Is and it's great yeah. that you you're introducing these concepts and, and telling their stories. I yeah. mean, I think that's what we need more of, right? So the, the other thing that I'm really excited about, so this is a leap into the first world, sure. but there's a link back to Africa. So um you know, I'm just about to go off to Amsterdam Drone Week. Mm. And it's not little commercial drones or little delivery drones, but it is the an, a discussion for the whole of the EU to look at infrastructure and the future of urban air mobility. Oh, wow. So that is something I've also been tracking for a while. I, I can't even fathom that. In my so, head, I'm just yeah. seeing all these crazy, I mean, all the crazy drivers in Joburg, you exactly, mentioned the big yeah. smoke. Imagine those so, guys now with so this let me give you propelled a quick, air missile. A quick business case of <laughs> why this is going to happen really quickly. So yeah. the end of 2017, 15 companies globally had all created a prototype, had done their first test flights. Didn't Uber, wasn't Uber one Uber of them? Elevators sure. is one of the, it's, okay. uh, it's, they're, they're a big player. In fact, very clever strategy. This year, they've just, in August, they launched a little helicopter service between Manhattan and JFK. Oh, wow. So it's called okay. Ubercopter, and you'll get it on your Uber app. That's not where they're going to go because all they're doing is preparing you to say Uber is part of air mobility as well. That's a test <clears> case, sure. So all of these passenger drones, the, the breakthrough technology is vertical takeoff and landing. So it, it, it goes up. You don't need a runway. You need a rooftop. So if you start extrapolating that, I'm saying to asset management companies and property owners, your new gold in real estate is on the top of your buildings. I'm just thinking about my house. Where am I going to put this thing? Because yeah. <laughs> <So laughs> I want me one of them. Then you go into other things. And I tell, when I tell people that Airbus is working on not one, but three versions of VTOL technology. Vertical, vertical takeoff take and landing. And landing, gotcha. Why would they go into three types of it? That's a heavy investment to to start dabbling in this kind of thing. Yeah. Then you start looking at yes, Uber and is working with NASA to map uh, flight simulations over two of the busiest cities, LA and I think uh, and Dallas. Um, Mumbai is the first city in the world to have in 2019 already a passenger drone policy of how they're going to do this kind of thing. And for me... Oh, they need it. My friend Niket was showing me yeah. photos of traffic in Mumbai. It's exactly. insane. And well, Lagos as well, Exactly, right? and that's so, what I'm saying. I think this will scale faster than driverless cars in Africa because already you've got rich businessmen in, in Lagos um, taking helicopters because the traffic's just... You can't sit in for two hours in, in that. Nairobi is the same, oh, but then you go to I, a... I struggled for 25 yeah. minutes in Joburg traffic this morning. Then you so. go into a huge country like like Namibia, small population, huge spaces, mm. lots of weekend farmers. Yeah, All of this technology is going to make more sense. And it's not as if we're going to have these autonomous passenger drones flying by themselves. You know, it's, it's there's a pilot. Uh, it takes three passengers or four passengers. They're small kind of things, but it's happening. And, and, and that kind of excites me because it's it goes into a different type of technology that people aren't really talking about because everyone's fixated on yeah. AI and machine learning yeah, all of yeah. those kind Deep of things. Deep learning and but this is you know, Neuralink and so on. For me, yeah. this is 
infra- the future cities of the world, the infrastructures, hyperloops underground, well, it's relevant all to of those us, kind of right? things, and, and how sure. it's going to work and, and create solutions. Well, I mean, and we need to wrap up now, but I just wanted to ask about in in, in education, are you seeing yes. anything that, you know, education is right at the fore yeah. at, from an African context. Is there anything that's exciting you in the ed, ed tech space? Yeah, there's, there's, firstly, there's a huge disappointment because the entire education system that we use, not only in South Africa, but just generally needs to be scrapped because it, it, it's not geared for a new world order 21st century. So what really excites to, me Just is, for context, yeah, why do you say that? Is because it's about root learning and memory. And we don't need to memorize things anymore. Yeah. We need to... We need Apply mind. So we yeah. need to flip the classroom, in other exactly. words, right? So the reason why they call... It's more about the discussion and the engagement and the sharing. And, and it's not about learning. finding information, because we already know how to do that, but it's how to make new information out of the information that you find. So it's almost going back to that data's labor mm. kind of discussion, but we need to th- think very differently. We need to problem solve things. It's and a we critical need to, thinking yeah. function rather than that yeah. rote memory yeah. function. So we don't need to memorize all the stuff we've got it at our fingertips but it's like what do you do what do you do with it so it's just a lot of the retailers are struggling with that okay we're collecting all of this data what do we do with it mm-hmm. so it's it's that it's that step so what's really exciting me is virtual reality in terms of learning that okay is you're starting to see little bleeps on the radar you know on our radar where it's already being used for training um, so your big companies like Walmart and stuff, they are using virtual reality to simulate situations. How do I deal with it? Di- what does that look like? Customer? Are we talking about like holograms and that kind of stuff? Or, yeah, it's kind or of holograms. VR glasses and yeah. So you put put that on, you go into a thing. They, they they will simulate a situation. Okay. Where there's a difficult customer, and okay. then you need to do that. The one that I saw quite a few years ago, already from Stanford University, that I can't wait for that to go because that was just really a prototype, but it was creating yourself into an avatar of someone totally opposite. So I would put an avatar on that would be an elderly black female. And then I feel what it's like to be in her shoes. Wow. So you learn empathy and you learn a whole lot of stuff. It's understanding from it's, a yeah. yeah from a truly empathetic so the, perspective. So the training, but then also, you know, you're sitting in a virtual classroom with students that are from all over the world and your lecturer today is an avatar of Albert Einstein and he's explaining his theory of relativity to you right there and everything. You know, that's just kind of <laughs> now you just now you're just messing with yeah, us, Dion. But come no, on. But, now. If, but is, if you look but if you just look at it just a quick That's one, why we say uh, your job yeah. is fun, right? But if you look at what's just happening at the Louvre right now is there's a whole Leonardo da Vinci yeah, yeah. Um, and they can't handle right? it, right? So so what they've done, because there's so many people, what they've done is done a whole VRAR, so augmented reality, virtual reality, Mona Lisa sitting for the painting. And you see the, the clothes she's wearing, they go 360 degree around her, her face moves, all of those things. That into, so that's a gallery thing now, but mm. in terms of education, that is mind-blowing, yeah. mind-blowing. But I mean, I, I suppose the obvious question from an African context, how soon until we get the kind of mass commoditization of those headsets? I mean, because, yeah. you know, until we have like a Star Wars situation with a hologram, sure. you know, figure so, of the teacher. So baby gonna... steps, everything starts with connectivity and internet. And yes. we are already starting to see things already. So at the beginning of 2019, Loon, which is a subsidiary of, of Alphabet and the Google yes. company, yeah. a big hot air balloon in Kenya, 
which is beaming down internet, you know, to people. Yeah. Um, you know, in South Africa, rain is rolling out this yes, year. Yes, yes, there's, 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 there's signs. We've got to start with that first. And once we have that connectivity, then the devices and stuff that, you know, can can come through. But then there's also stoppages there because if it's in education, then you've got to retrain all of the teachers to be able to use the stuff, to be able to deal with that. There's a lot of dominoes. And I think people are generally quite scared of those things because Mm. of, you know, obviously from a people perspective, we are justifiably cautious about the impact of that on, on, you know, real people's Mm. lives on on the ground. So that balance is so... It's it's so poised, yeah. you know, and it's very tentative. But um, I mean, Dion, we I mean, we haven't even touched you know gene yeah. editing and CRISPR, <laughs> and I mean, there's so much that we can talk about. But uh, but I, I I suppose I can just encourage uh, our listeners to to visit your website and to to potentially attend one of your um, your tours, which yes. which really sounds amazing. It is. And I'm going to hit you up for and, one of them. And I'm a you know it's, it's kind of. Asian blood and detail. So the thing about the, the the tours as well is what I've said is you will go on the tour and you won't understand why you've seen this or this won't make sense. Yeah. And then in hindsight, when you're sitting the next day or two days hence, you go, aha, <laughs> that's why all of nice. these things nice. actually, all the dots were connected and that's why they were all there. So you're so creating a little like puzzle that they can solve. A little solve. puzzle that you don't understand when you first see it and then it all that's clicks amazing. into place and then you go, ah, okay, that's the aha moment. Dion, I love spending time with you. It is always such an honor and a privilege. And I, I'm also just blown away by the growth of your company and your brand. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. For Flux as well and for Bronwyn and all the, yes. the the team, the teammates, but but also for um for you personally. And it's great to see your progress and uh, and I love the fact that you're telling, you know, these African stories as well. So I look forward to engaging with the future and thanks again for being on the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore SA. Use the hashtag DSY Healthy Business. And please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more shows on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts. Creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance.